0: Open your Bibles, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Our Lord Jesus Christ was made weak in His flesh for His humiliation and incarnation. And He was put to rest in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But He was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit from the dead and declared to be the Son of God with power. Amen. A few days later, before he left to go into heaven, he stood before his apostles and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He told them, You wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And they went forth, the Lord working mightily with them in mighty signs and wonders, these fishermen of Galilee and this tax collector, and turned the world upside down with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. And there is power available for every one of you today right. in practical religion. We spend so much of our time stressing, defending, teaching the power of God in regeneration And we do not deny that power. But let us not distort our faith by becoming fatalists by talking about the great power of God in the vital phase of salvation when there's great power available in the practical phase of salvation. There's a verse in the Bible that tells us in the Gospels the power of God was present to heal. When you think of the power of God that was present to heal the Lord Jesus Christ could speak and heal any man. He could cast out any devil. But that power is going to be used where the conditions meet the one that has the power. And the Lord Jesus Christ will share His power, divine power, divine power, for all things that pertain to life and godliness with those that want to learn about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He will share with them And that will include the promises of God, which was only three months ago, which I declared to you in two services about the promises of God that will help you become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is all practical. We are not fatalists in this church. The Apostle Peter is not writing them about what God has done for them. He's writing about what God has made available for them that they should take advantage of. And it began with the words, Grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So without any way of enter much way in the way of introduction, I just want to get started. I am going to finish on a timely basis, but we are going to have to move through some verses because I want you to get one lesson. You better go out of here and... And believe in knees. K-N-E-E-S. Knees for meeting Jesus Christ. You better be thinking about tears. For meeting Jesus Christ. You better be thinking about panting. You better be thinking about being thirsty. About meeting God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is those that pursue Him. And you had some wonderful passages just read to you. And for those of you that were not here, those passages are Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Those three passages tell us that the power of God, the strength of God, the might of God is available for those that will seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His Spirit are able to overcome any adversity or difficulty this little world can throw at us, including the day of your death. You can rejoice and go to meet Him. The martyrs went rejoicing in great pain and suffering, and we're going to go out of this world a whole lot differently than that because of witty inventions in the spirit of Proverbs 31, 6 and 7, where it says, give strong drink to him that is ready to perish. Mood-altering, pain-altering chemicals are designed by God and promoted and prescribed by God. But you won't need very many of them if Christ is central in your life. I hope that some of you enjoyed 18 minutes and 50 seconds of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. If you didn't take the time to watch it, you might as well leave. Because I don't have anything for you. Because it is Christ central that gives you the power of God to be a partaker of his divine nature. We don't become little gods. Can we get that out of the way really fast? You're not going to become partially omniscient or partially omnipresent by partaking of his omniscience or omnipresence in 2 Peter chapter 1 you are going to take on his moral characters and qualities and traits that are reflected in the Lord Jesus Christ by putting on Christ and living like him. And that's being a partaker. And the brother that first read said, being filled with all the fullness of God. Is that partaking of the divine nature at all? Being filled with all the fullness of God? Well, that's not his infinite, eternal, invisible nature. Those are the moral characters and traits of the Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing his love for us, and that love will flow through us toward each other. 2 Peter chapter 1, let me read the first four verses, and let's tear some of these uh, phrases apart so that we can understand them in this long sentence. It's a single sentence. I read it to you. 2 Peter 1, verses 1-4. through 4. Simon Peter, a servant... that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen and amen you can beat your lust. You can escape the lust of this world by putting on Christ and learning of God and learning of Christ and believing the exceeding great and precious promises he has given the higher Christ rises in your life. The lower lust will fall until you can escape their claiming power on you. Young men. Are you all listening to me? I am a young man. I was a young man. Whatever you want to believe about my age, But the power of lust in a young man is very great. But you can defeat that by having Christ central, Christ supreme, Christ rising, lust falling. You can defeat those lusts that you do not think are defeatable. But it is, it must be centered around the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of God. It is not the church, it is not social activities, it is not Bible quizzing, it is not memorizing Bible verses, it is not the church, it is not the doctrine, it is not the five phases. It is Christ and Him crucified. It is God on His throne. It is God's grace in Christ. It is Jesus Christ's unsearchable riches that you delight in, and that you delight in Him for His sake, is going to prayer, not asking anything for yourself, except the greatest thing you should always be asking, and that is to know Him better. You can defeat those lusts. You do not have to sin presumptuously every day, every hour, every minute, when some shapely young lady walks by you. You may defeat lust. And it's right here in front of us. It's growing in knowledge. We want our church to be God-centered and Christ-centered. We want this pulpit to be Christ-centered. We want everything to be putting up Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, because in the Lord Jesus, we see all that God is able to give us about himself. Our brother Stephen read to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God that commanded light to shine out of darkness. Is that pretty impressive to you? It was pretty impressive for me to say that you can defeat your lust. Right, young men? Now I know that none of you want to nod in here because you want everyone else to think that you're a monk. <laughs> but it's impressive. Both are impressive. But both are possible. Both are probable. Both are definite for those that will put Christ up. Right. I am not going to take long. I just want you to get the simple message. When was the last time you got on your knees And begged God to show you His Son. Don't you ask for anything else? You selfish little twerps. Why would you ever ask for anything else? Compared to that. If you'll get that right first everything else will take care of itself and you'll hardly mind anything else going on in your life. And it's then that you'll have the power of God at your disposal because Christ will be central in your life and God will hear your prayer requests. You know, we typically go to the Lord, pulling out our list, either up here on paper, of all the things that we need or all the things that we want. There should only be one thing that you want because there's only one thing that you need. And it's to know God and Jesus Christ better. And this is a crescendo. This is a crescendo of 10 points of doctrine of practical spiritual religion rising to the climax of being a partaker of the divine nature and escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. And it is not when we go to heaven. It's right now. It's right today. It's right now before we hit the hour. Lord, help us to this end grace and peace be multiplied what is grace we are in verse two very quickly grace is god's demerited favor towards you there is power in this room there is power in your home there's power in your life there's power in this world for you and it's not for anyone else it is the power of the risen reigning and returning lord jesus christ he has the keys of hell and of death he opens and no man shuts. He shuts and no man opens. He has absolutely unlimited power to help you live a victorious, successful, joy-filled Christian life in spite of anything the devil, the world, your flesh, and your own sins can throw at you. And you need to lay hold of Him. Do you pursue Him? Do you have a passionate relationship with Him? If you don't repent of it right now, you are such an ungrateful wretch. What is filling up your life? You say, I'm too busy. Quit something. There's 168 hours in a week. Pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back into your prayer closet. Get back into your Bible. Read another chapter. If you need the chapters to read, call me. I'll give you chapters to read. We just had three passages of Scripture read to us that are astounding. When I'm on my deathbed, if you don't know what to read to me, read those three passages of Scripture. From March 29, 2015. Because I want that power in that day. I want the, by God's grace, I'll have that power whether you read it to me or not but I want us all to have that power in that day. I want us to face that day triumphantly, excitedly looking forward to being with the Savior. If every day of your life you have longed for Him, you have panted for Him, you have begged for Him, you have called out to Him, you have thought about Him, do you know when the day comes to die, it won't get there fast enough? Right. But do you know what we're always doing? Holding on. Holding on. I don't want to go yet. I just... I don't want to go yet. I, I want to see my kids graduate. From, are you kidding me? I don't, I don't have anything to say to any person that would even think that. If you want to see your children get married and have children and go to school and graduate, I don't have anything to say to you. And I want to tell you something else. God doesn't have anything to say to you. Right. Because that is insanity. That is no better than a chipmunk in a tree. Chipmunks always wait for little chippies to jump out and graduate and have other little chippies. You're no better than a chipmunk. Get real. We were put on this earth for one purpose, the praise and glory of Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I love family and I love accomplishments and I love success as much as anyone in here, but let's let's get our priorities right, brethren, or this power isn't available to us. Our priorities must be right, and it just keeps mentioning this thing over and over again. Are all of you with me that Second Peter has an agenda for this epistle? He has an agenda, and it is stated seven times. It is in verse 2, it is in verse 3, it is in 5, it is in 6, it is in 8, it is in 2.20, it is in 3.18, and that is to grow in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is not head knowledge by memorizing the five phases of salvation. That is the, that is learning the perfections of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because they reflect the glory of the invisible God. Right. Grace and peace. Do you want grace in your life? This, this, this concept, but it's not a concept. It is a, it is a description of God's demerited favor and blessing and reward upon you. Do you want that in your life? God's blessing and favor on you. Do you want peace? A contented, tranquil ability to handle anything in life easily. Peace. Grace and peace multiplied. You know, if grace equals peace and they're both, they're both valued at 10, then we have a value of 10. If grace and peace are added, we have 20. If grace and peace are multiplied, we have 100. And that's the that's the language that the Holy Spirit shows. I like mathematical language. Some of you do. Grace and peace be multiplied. Right. Well, how do we get a multiplication by the power of God of grace and peace in our lives? It tells us right there in that third verse, because this is the first occurrence of that K word that is seven times in this epistle. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We want to know Christ. Not about Christ. We want to know God. Not just about God. But we want to know Him experimentally by walking with Him and delighting in His attributes and in His ways and His works and His blessings toward us and expressing our love toward Him and receiving His love back toward us and knowing Him in a personal relationship. He sheds abroad His love in our hearts. We should be shedding abroad our love toward him with our mouths constantly telling him that we love him and his son, Jesus Christ. Through the knowledge of God, we'll have more to say about that. You know, I want you to notice that this text is one sentence and it is practical. And when it says grace and peace, these are already elect and born again people that have been identified such in the first chapter of the first epistle. The second verse said elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the father. The 23rd verse said, being born again. See, they're already through the eternal, the legal, and the vital phases. And if you have already been through the eternal, legal, and vital phases, what other phase is already guaranteed that we don't need to talk about? The final phase. So what phase is left? It is practical religion. Amen. It is practical religion of us living right now. It's of you living through this past week. It's of me living through the past couple of weeks. It's of Paul and Silas in prison rejoicing and praising God in a dungeon cell stripped naked with their backs bleeding from a Roman scourge. There isn't anything in your life like that. Okay. There isn't anything in my life like that. So we should be singing twice as loud and twice as long of Jesus our Lord. Let's get into verse 3. According. That word tells us that the exact means, the exact comparison of how this happens is going to be in verse 3. How verse 2 takes place is described in verse 3. According. Let me see if you know what the word means this way. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How do we get all those spiritual blessings that are in Christ? According. oh. According as He hath chosen us in Him. Oh! So you mean the grace and peace that can be multiplied to me through the knowledge of God in verse 2 is explained further in verse 3. Exactly. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Grace and peace simply being two of those things that we need for a life of godliness. For for Jesus Christ's straight and narrow life. And to live a godly life before Him. This isn't eternal life and then living godly in heaven. God's going to take care of you living godly in heaven. Do you understand that? You're not going to have a choice once you get to heaven. Right now you have a choice. And that's to learn about Him. And it's according to His divine power that's around us. There's He's the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Do we sing a song? He tore the bars away from that tomb. He tore the bars away. And He can tear the bars away in your life. And He can give you power to accomplish anything you need to for His glory and honor and for the salvation of your soul in a practical way. There is divine power available for believers to live a glorious Christian life. We know that great power is exerted in regeneration, but regeneration is not here. Just because it says divine power, we have a temptation to run to the vital phase of salvation and think about well, and, and, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins and that, that we might know the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. I told it to you last Sunday. I do know those verses. Ephesians 1.19. There was the same power shown toward us in regenerating us as there was shown in Jesus Christ raising him from the dead. But do you know why we're told to rightly divide the word of truth? Because this power right here is not regeneration. So let's not get confused and waste our time and become fatalists. Did you hear Second Corinthians 12? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, we need negative events in our lives. We need negative events in order for God's strength to come through us. Is that talking about the eternal phase of sal- the final phase of salvation? No, it's talking about right here now presently in this world. And so, you heard read to you from 2 Corinthians 12, "Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in infirmities. I'm going to get excited about distresses and all the things that God can bring into my life because if I'm pursuing him, he is going to give me grace to walk right through them, smile right through them, rejoice right through them, live above them." And what is that? That is divine power. Do okay. you understand that? It's divine power. Because Paul wrote, speak, because God spoke to Paul, and Paul wrote it, "My strength." Right. If God is saying, "My strength," what kind of power is it? Divine power. If God said it's my strength, is it decent power? Yeah. Yeah. It's divine power. How do we get that power? It's stated again, repetitively in that third verse. Look at the second half. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It is through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of the invisible God is present in learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't handle God. Your glorified mind won't be able to handle God. Because he's God. If he... If he's God, then you'll never be able to handle God, meaning that you'll never be able to comprehend and grasp all that there is to know about God, because that's what makes him God. But all that he wants us to know about him is revealed in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the the unsearchable riches of Christ. Why do I preach on subjects like that? I would preach on that subject. I would preach on that subject for the rest of my life if I didn't have Acts chapter 20 telling me that I shouldn't hold back other things that are profitable for you as well. Because I know from experience, that's the second reason. And I know from the authority of God's Word, that's the first reason, that all other things take care of themselves when Christ is supreme. When Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne of your life and you are embracing Him, you're not asking Him for anything but to know Him. You are not asking for anything but to know His love better. You are not telling him anything but how much you love him and are thankful for all that he is and all that he has done. And though he were to send your soul to hell, his righteous law approves it well. But you are thankful that he is not ashamed to call you brethren. And you have love with the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Everything else takes care of itself. You jump up, the hot water heater blows. It damages three walls in the room, wherever it is. You repair it, you pay for it, you, set, you just hire it out. You call. Where's the telephone book? I'm not going to fix that because that will take me away from knowing the Lord. just changes your whole perspective. Right. When you want to go do something with your wife, you're not going online thinking about some neat place to go on vacation. Oh, we can, we can go river rafting. Should we call it river rafting? Am I saying it's a sin to go river rafting? No, you should know me better than that. But is there a priority here? Right. Like one is at the ceiling and the other is at the bottom on the floor here? And that is to get Christ first in our lives. According, we have an explanation in verse 3 to verse 2. And it's one long sentence and it's a crescendo. And if God will be gracious to us, before, and it won't be today, I will show you the ten points of doctrine for practical religion in these four verses and they just keep rising, rising, rising to where we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust and are partakers of the divine nature. Power. So you understand from Nathan's reading, Second Corinthians chapter 12, my strength. That's the divine power. My strength is possible in your weakness. And so we become weak, and God's able to give us strength. So we're looking at verses in the Bible that help us fill out the sense that this is not regeneration. This is for practical, successful, victorious Christian living. Look at Romans 15. Keeping your finger there at 2 Peter chapter 1, but look at Romans 15, and let me give you a verse that I've told you has become one of my favorites. And uh, we, we, I mention it from time to time, and so you should be familiar with it, but we want to go after one part of it. Verse thirteen of Romans fifteen. Now the God of hope. So we're talking about that God and knowing about Him, and so we quickly learn something right off the bat that He's the God of hope. God, he's the God of hope. Hope. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful word. It means expectation of positive things for the future. It means I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now the God of hope. Are we are we okay? Can we can I go ahead? Now the God of hope, let's look at these words, fill you, that takes power, fill you with all joy, that takes power to give you all joy, have you ever felt all joy, all joy, there's no more room to take any on board, Lord I'm full, you say you sound like a Pentecost. well maybe once in a while they sound right, it's rare, I'm full of joy. I can't take any more. You say, "How is that possible?" Forget it. I am no example for anything. I didn't know how I could be any happier this morning. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's that, like precious faith. The only part of this, the only role you have in this verse is believing. That is knowing God. Learning God, the like precious faith that learns of God and learns of Christ. That's the only part you have in here because God's doing the rest. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That takes divine power to fill a sinful, wicked creature that is still still down here in this flesh-encrusted, flesh-corrupted body that we have and fill you with all joy and peace. And it tells you how it's done. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And see for, you know, I'm not preaching to you about speaking in tongues. We're not going to have a baptism this afternoon and wait for somebody to pop up and start babbling in some gibberish. What we're looking to do is to walk out of here victorious to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be filled with all joy and peace by the power of the Holy Ghost. There is power available. How do you get it? I just told you there's only two words in this verse that are for you. In believing. Do you believe about the power of the Holy Ghost? Do you believe that God has revealed Himself in His Son, Jesus Christ? Are you wanting to learn more about Him? Look at Colossians chapter 1. The time is a-wasting so quickly. Colossians chapter 1. I want to show you verses that speak about the power and might of God that are of a practical sort only. That are not talking about the vital phase of regeneration or the final phase of resurrecting our bodies from the graves, but are right now to live joyfully and peacefully with all things that pertain to life and godliness through His power. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Look at those words. These are not my words. These are God's words. And He knows that we love every word of His word. Strengthened. There's, there's power strengthened with all might. How much might? All might. According to his glorious power. Unto, this is what his strengthening with might and his glorious power will help you be able to do. Unto all patience. What is patience? Cheerfully enduring negative events. All patience. All patience. And long suffering, putting up for a long time with painful events, with joyfulness, doing it joyfully and cheerfully. Look at this combination. This is not what natural men do, but you were able to do it. We're able to do it. This You can't even fulfill this verse without there being problems in your life because you have to be suffering. But you're suffering long and you're doing it cheerfully and you're doing it joyfully. And how do you do it? Because you've been strengthened by divine power that has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Because the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the life of a successful Christian, is being patient, is being long-suffering, and is living joyfully, and we're given that by divine power. Are you with me? This is practical. Do not get confused. I will not let this church become a fatalistic church like the Primitive Baptists where they want to take every verse and run it to the vital phase of salvation or some other phase. And I do not like naming names very often when it goes in that direction, but I want you to understand exactly what I'm saying. We do not want to be fatalists. We do not want to look for regeneration before faith in every verse in the Bible. I did that once a long time ago. 35 or 40 years ago, wanting to find regeneration before faith everywhere in the Bible. That's a doctrinal equation that is taught in Scripture, but there is so much more than that. And that is this power that's available to us through the risen, reigning, and returning third time, Lord Jesus Christ, that He's made available for us. We had read Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 by Brother Mark. And it said there, Strengthened with all might in the inner man strengthened with all might in the inner man to know the love of Christ in all of its dimensions until it passes human knowledge. That is just wonderful. That's how you get filled with all the fullness of God. Look at Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10, you read it last night, I hope. My brethren, it says there in Ephesians 6.10, put on the whole armor of... Verse 10, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Notice, Jesus Christ's might is available. Jesus Christ's power is available, and it can make us strong, so strong. And what what role do we have? We put on faith. Remember, 2 Peter 1 starts out with faith. We put on faith, we put on truth, we put on righteousness, just as it describes here, and it goes down through the hope of salvation and the helmet of salvation, the different things that we put on. We just put them on. God's made them available for us. And in that power, we can withstand the evil one in the day of evil. The devil can come after us with a vengeance. And you can stand and oppose him because guess who's on your side? The one he fears the most. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, my brethren, be strong. How strong? In the power of his might. You think your lusts are stronger than you? I say that we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. What do you say? That we want to put up Christ. Now this one's easy. Everyone heard this verse? Philippians 4.13. Anybody want to... Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Is that true? Or is that just a, a nice little saying? Is that true? Amen. How do we get that strength? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. On our knees, with our tears, begging Him, doing whatever you need to do to focus your mind in the fact that there's only one thing you want and you will sweat it out with Him. You will wrestle with Him for this thing because it's all that matters is that you know Him. You'll stand up from that prayer chair and you'll hardly even know that you have lust. I'm an expert. But the Bible is what counts, not my experience. 2 Timothy 1.8. 2 Timothy 1.8. I just want to show you that the divine power is practical power for successful Christian living. 2 Timothy 1.8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Paul's writing his last epistle. He's warning his young minister understudy Timothy. Timothy. Not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Go ahead and be persecuted. Be stoned like me. Be whipped. Be imprisoned. Be stripped naked. Don't worry, Timothy. There's the power of God available to help you do that. Paul made it through those through all of his trials with power that God gave him. It's a verse I gave you yesterday in the preparatory email. There's so many other verses I don't have time for them about the practical power of God. It's given unto us all things. Hath given unto us all things. What are those all things? All the things we need to live a perfectly successful, fulfilling, and pleasing life to Almighty God. Everything we need. You know, we we look at Galatians 5, 22, and it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And we get those nine. We go over to Ephesians chapter 5. We get a few more. We add them all up and we see all these things that we should be living, and we say, I just can't do all that. I just can't be joyful all the time. I just can't be long-suffering. I can't be patient. I, I'm just not very gentle. I'm just not very loving. Oh, you can't do these things. But it says His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Lord, help me. I'm running out of time. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. When it says God is able, that little word able, that is talking about uh, power. That's talking about ability to do work. God is able. God is able, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, to make all grace. How much grace? All grace. What is grace? God's demerited favor and blessing and reward towards you. God is able to make all grace in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Everything you need to fully please God he gives you abounding grace by his strength and power. God gives it and you can do anything that God asks of you. May the Lord bless us to believe that and to lay hold of it and do it. A life that pertains, the, the all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We understand life here in a practical way of our practical life in this world. It is the straight and narrow way that leads unto eternal life. But the life here is is the life of living for the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy 4.8 it says, that bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. now is, and of that which is to come. But right, we're not there yet, so we want to worry about the one, the life that now is. The life that now is, how can we exercise ourselves unto godliness in this life that now is to please God? It's going to tell us in the last part of verse 3 of Second Peter chapter 1, it is through knowledge again. Through knowledge, the vehicle, the means by which we get the power to please God in every part of our lives, defeating lust, partaking of the divine nature, is through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The life here is the Christian life, the spiritual life, the life of a disciple of Jesus. Godliness is a large, inclusive character trait that describes victorious believers. It is religious sobriety with commitment to conform entirely to God's character. Godliness is a wonderful word. It chooses God's will for your life in contrast to worldliness or any other form of compromise. All it wants is God and to live like God and to live for God and to please God. Is God's power, His strength, His might felt, known, seen, and proven in your life? Are you proving to this congregation that God's power, God's might, God's strength is in you? Are there lusts you can't put down but always struggle and lose to them? You need Christ. You need to know God better. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you able to forgive others freely and fully as God in Christ forgave you, especially those that you're the closest to, like your spouse or your siblings? There's power in Christ to do that easily, joyfully, excitedly. Can you, have you flushed all bitterness toward every other person in your life? You can. You can do it easily. You can do it excitedly. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Learn more about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek Him. Seek Him in the pages of Scripture. Seek Him by asking for more of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Like it was read in the prayer of Paul for the Ephesian saints, that God would strengthen them with all might in their inner man to know Christ in four dimensions of His love until they're filled with all the fullness of God. You will love to forgive, because God loves to forgive His children. Can you go a day a week without sinning presumptuously? If not, why not? Are you able to bear up under multiple adversaries and thank God for them? Do chronic health issues or regular personal problems get you down? Why? Why? Come on. Jesus died for you on the cross and there ain't nothing happening in your body even close to that. Can you control your tongue? The Bible says no man can tame it. Do you use that as an excuse? Or do you use that as an opportunity to show the power of Christ in you? No man can tame it? I know a man that can tame it. Do you know a man that can tame your tongue? The Lord Jesus Christ can tame your tongue. The closer you get to Him, the higher He gets. He must increase. I must decrease. He'll give you power over your tongue. He'll fill that tongue with good, sweet, nice things. Somebody might even call you sweet. Is your spirit volatile? Is the Pope a Catholic? Yet you can learn gentleness and meekness of Christ. How? By the power of Christ. How? By the knowledge of Christ. How? Go to him and seek him by faith. Lay hold of him. Tell him that you love him. Ask him the power of God to reveal him more, perf- more perfectly to you through the power of the Holy Ghost. Read the, word, the pages of Scripture to learn about God in Christ Jesus in these pages. Do not learn to read just about historical facts. If you want to know about David, then find out about the heart of David. You go to Psalm 42 where David would say, my, th- my heart pants for the living God as a heart pants after the water brooks. If you want to know about David, it's not a sling and how far it can throw a stone. It's David seeking the face of God. Right. Do you fear fear? Are you a fearful person? Trials are going to come to test you. There is no fear in Christ. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, for He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. So that we may boldly say, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Who cares what man's going to do unto you if the Lord Jesus Christ is with you and He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Could you die for Him who died for you? It's easily, it's easily done by learning more of Him. Why? And it's not just an intellectual equation. The more you learn of him, he gets closer to you and the divine power, the spiritual might, the strengthening of God is available in your life and it will stir up and strengthen your new man to be like a new man you've never had before and it will weaken that old man and you can escape the claims of that old man on you to a greater degree. Look at verse three, the last part through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know that right now you can have a glorious life. This glory and virtue, yes, God's called us to glory in heaven. Of course, of course, I believe that. But why would I want to put that into this text? Why would I want to put that God has called us to the glory of heaven and to virtue? Does that mean He's called us to virtue virtuous living in heaven? Or has He called us to glory and virtue now? Yes, right. In First Peter, remember... These two epistles should be connected because it's the same audience reading the same epistle. Did Peter say in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 that knowing about Jesus Christ is sufficient to cause you to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory? You mean before he gets here? Full of glory and rejoicing with joy unspeakable. That's knowing Jesus Christ now. He has called us to a life of glory in this world. By successful, victorious, spiritual, Christian living, knowing him, and rejoicing in the glory of God that is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, our brother, friend, high priest, bishop, shepherd, and everything else that he is to us. And virtue. The virtuous woman. You know, what is virtue? It is the nobility and purity of a person that wants to do everything that is morally right, pure, honest, good. The virtuous woman is how you think of the word typically in Proverbs chapter 31. Every young man in here that isn't married, do you want a virtuous woman? Do you want to marry a virtuous woman? Find the woman that loves Christ the most. Right. Period. The woman that loves Christ the most. It doesn't matter if she invited Jesus into her heart. It doesn't matter if she's been baptized. It doesn't matter if she can quote Bible verses. The woman that loves Christ the most will be the virtuous woman that you want. Now, most of you are already married. Do you want to have a better wife? Don't send her to the bookstore to buy a book on Christian marriage. Don't think that the ladies' meetings are going to do it for you. Don't let her go to a seminar by some, you know, what's that Joyce woman out there in uh, St. Louis? That dyke isn't going to help you. Uh, If you want to help your wife be a better Christian woman, do you know how you do it? Help her have time and encourage her and direct her to meet Christ to love Christ, to embrace Christ, to love Christ. Help her be a Christ-consumed woman and you will have the best wife on earth. Because it says he's called us to a life of glory and virtue. Whereby, this divine power that's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness includes exceeding great and precious promises. Whereby, verse 4. It's all connected, it's one sentence. Whereby. Uh, how do we, how do we get these exceeding great and precious promises? It's learning more about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Because this is all based on an increase in knowledge. Part of the knowledge of God is knowing His promises. Right. And God's given us promises. What kind of promises? Great promises. Great promises. Should we be content with that? No, they're, they're exceeding great promises. Right. They're precious promises. They're exceeding great and precious promises. And three months ago, I preached two sermons to you on a Sunday that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea, and in Him, amen. Now, do you remember? I did say that a few times, I think, that Lord's Day. Those promises are wonderful. I don't have time for them whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. In the gospel, in learning about God, in learning through the word and by his spirit, these promises come to us. And part of the benefit of learning about God is learning of the promises he's given us. And by learning about those promises, we become partakers of the divine nature because it lifts us up out of this world to focus on things that are heavenly because of the incredible things he has promised us. You know, this past week I've been able to use some of those. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Should that lift you up out of this world? Everyone else is going to leave you and is going to forsake you. And most of them are going to leave you before they leave you at death. Now, do you know what I mean when I say that? They're going to leave you before they leave you at death. And they're going to forsake you. But Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that lifts us up. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Shouldn't that lift you up? Amen. You know, are you kidding? You heard you heard me say something earlier today about three-bedroom, two-bath penthouse on the top of a cottage, compared to in my father's house are many mansions. Right. And all those promises of God in him are in yea, and in him, Amen. And it is look what it says. These, this This power and this godliness and this life and this partaking of the divine nature is based on promises. Because promises are part of the gospel. The gospel is the good news, glad tidings of what God has done in Christ Jesus the Lord. And these things lift us up so that our affection and attention is heavenward instead of earthward. And so what does that do? We become partakers of the divine nature because we want to put Christ on us. By learning more of Christ, we want to put Him on us. And so we become partakers that way, and it's through the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ is not mere head facts. Because you have a good memory, because you have good intellectual reasoning, it doesn't even help you. Go as a child, a babbling child to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and say that you want to learn of Him and that you want to sit on His lap and have Him bless you. Go to Him like Mary and and hear anything that He has to say. It is a personal search and appreciation for all that God is in Himself. It is desiring His will as much as His ways, lest we foolishly violate His will. We don't want to just learn about God's ways. We want to learn about God's will for us. It is life-changing knowledge so that your great goal is to please Him more. It is a passionate pursuit of Him to love Him by word and deed much more. This is to know God and to know Christ. It is to plumb, praise, and proclaim His unsearchable riches in grace to you. It is accompanied by greater love of heaven and greater hatred of earth. It is obtained on your knees and by your tears more than facts, figures, and verses. It is sacrificial, making all else dung in comparison to Him. It is accompanied by greater love of holiness and greater hatred of any sin. It is deep and intimate and personal, not intellectual, superficial, or casual. It is not convenient. It is inconvenient. Because you go to Him and He sees the desire of your heart and soul. It is humbly flushing all that you are and have and could do to find Him. It is to stop asking for help or other things in your life but this one thing you need most. It is to denigrate and despise all other competitors to Him. It is to crave Him and never be content with anything of life without Him. Lord, help us. Know You and Your Son, the Lord Jesus, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Oh. It is no worthless pursuit to pursue the Lord Jesus. Right. What starts coming back very fast are great, exceeding great and precious promises to us. What does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? It means to put on the Lord Jesus, the new man, which is made in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.10, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm out of time to go to these verses of Scripture, but it means to put on the new man. Do you know who created the new man? The creator of the universe. Do you know what he created him by? Divine power. Do you know what he looks like, the new man looks like? The new man looks like the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. The new man reflects Jesus Christ, who is the express image of God. Colossians 3.10, Ephesians 4, and verse 24. You want to put him on that is to be a partaker of the divine nature. We don't become little gods. We're not Mormons here. We're not even anything close to Mormons. What we want to do is to live the character traits of God that He has communicated to us through the power of the new man that Jesus Christ created that is Jesus Himself in His character traits. Right. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By the love you have one to another. Be therefore perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew chapter 5. How? How so? By loving your enemies. How does that come out of us? By putting on the new man. The new man loves to love even enemies. You say that's impossible. That's just contrary to nature. Of course it's contrary to nature. Because it's the new man versus the old man. It's the power of Christ versus the power of the devil. And the one has already defeated the other having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Come back on Wednesday evening, and I'll help you understand what lust will get you. When you do what you want to do, come come back on Wednesday evening, and I'll help you understand what what happens to you when you do what you want to do. Those are your lusts. But those of you that want to be Christians... You don't listen to your lusts, and you hate your lusts, and you do what God wants you to do. And that, be, that is a partaker of the divine nature, because you're doing what him and his nature does, and you partake of that nature by your new man that is that divine nature that Christ created, and you escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, All those lusts, are going to take you down and down and they are going to explode you and implode you from the inside out and destroy you and take you down to death and to hell and destroy every good thing in your life. That is all the world has to offer is ultimate, total, terrible, painful, corrupting, perverse destruction of life. And instead we can have a life of of glory and virtue, of godliness and and the things that are described here partaking of his nature. How did we escape? The gospel knowledge of God and promises got us looking up. You know, if we blow out of here today and go out there and look horizontally, we're ru- you're ruined. We come into this house to get our gaze back upward because of the gospel, the glad tidings of what God's done for us, to embrace him for all that he is, without Him giving us anything, when the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Do you care about the second half of that verse? Why? Who needs the second half? What about the first half? What, What I'm saying to you is I want to change your perspective on why you read the Bible and why you pray. I don't care about the second half. Do you know if the first half is fulfilled in your life, you won't need the second half. He's just too good. He said he'll give you the second half if you'll do the first half. I just want him to help me do the first half better. Right, yeah. Delight thyself also in the Lord and everything will take care of itself. You'll be saved from the corruption that is in this world through lust. You'll be a partaker of the divine nature. It is through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ that the power of the risen Savior is available for your life. All patience. All long-suffering. All joyfulness. All love peace, gentleness, meekness, goodness. Nothing will be able to move you. Nothing will move you at all. Will you seek the Lord Jesus Christ this coming week? Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.